I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on Post Reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun, too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise. Thinking Sideways is not brought to you by a secret entrance to your house that everyone but you knows about. No, instead, it's brought to you by your local animal shelter. Yes, that's right. You want to get yourself a new, wonderful, lifelong friend? Then go to your local animal shelter or humane society or something before you go to the pet store. Because there's so many little cute friends out there who are just waiting to find a good home. You don't need to actually go to a store and buy one, really. Uh, but in, and also, if you've already got a furry friend, but you still want to help out, well, there's always money. They they need money bad. Uh, and uh, you can also donate your time if you don't have money to spare. And, it, uh, you know, actually, I found volunteering to be a rewarding experience myself. And I've met new people and had a great time. So, you know, definitely do it. And you'll meet lots of wonderful cats and dogs. And who knows? Maybe you'll break down and bring one home anyway. Uh, and that's about it. So please help out our little fuzzy friends. Thanks. That was a pretty good intro, huh? Okay, well, we just wanted to pop in and say thank you so much to our listener, Nick. Thanks, Nick. Yeah! For creating our new theme song. It's awesome. It's pretty cool. Oh, on to the show. Hey, guys. Welcome to another episode of Thinking Sideways, the podcast. I am Devin, joined this week by... Joe. And... Steve. And today we're going to do something a little bit different. Yeah, you may so. remember we've done these sort of things before, but we're going to do um, a three fur mystery kind of. Uh, but we kind of wanted to change it up. We're tired of talking about murdered and 
disappeared kids and we are. really awful stuff. stuff. We've well, had a lot two happen, of us. and we've got a lot more in the hopper. Yeah, we've got a lot more coming down. So we thought we would do something a little different. And, Give you guys a break. Um, we're going to talk about cartoon conspiracies is what we're calling them, but kind of weird theories that people have regarding cartoons or cartoon universes or anything like that. And um, each of us has our own that we like. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to start because I'm bossy pants. Mm-hmm, you are. And mine is the most interesting. She's sitting in the big chair. It's yeah. true. I, I'm driving it this It makes thing. you look tiny, but I know, okay. I know. I'm sorry. It's, I just like it so much. I know you guys are freaked out by it, but it's fine. I'm going to talk about uh, the Pixar universe, which I think many of my contemporaries will know. And then, you know, people who have kids will also be familiar with the Pixar universe. Hey, hey, yeah. come on. Some Actually, of us just watch these movies I was going to say, like it them. does turn out that Steve has seen more Pixar movies than I have. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. I, yeah, I've not seen very many at all. Yeah, that's because you don't have kids and you're an adult. Uh, probably, yeah. I, I, however, am not I think an I did, adult, I mean. I think I did see The Incredibles. That, that was a Pixar movie, right? It was, right? yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. I saw that one. So I'm going to start off by saying that most of the credit for this sort of theory goes... It's actually, there's a book written about this whole world, and we won't do it even a little bit of justice, because I'm not going to write a book for you guys right now. Sorry. Somebody um, actually wrote a book about this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. His name is John Nagiri, um, and he wrote a book. So if this interests you and you want to know more about the theory, you should definitely do that. Um, but I thought I'd start off by giving some credit where credit is due. That this, And I'm super intrigued by this, and he's not the only person who's added to this whole timeline, but I... I just want to get that out in the open first. Kind of a zeitgeist moment. Yeah. So basically this theory is that Pixar all takes place in the same universe. All their movies. All of their movies, every single one. And it, it's actually a continual timeline. And so I'm going to talk about how these movies all fit together. And Joe's going to have nothing to say about it. And Steve's going to have a lot to oh, say I'll about it. Oh, I'll still have something to say. Don't you worry. <laughs> I'll make something up. <laughs> Um, so in this theory, and there's a big, there's a big reveal at the end of like what really ties it all together. I'm not going to, I'm not going to spoil it for you guys. I can't wait. Yeah. Um, wait, I can flip ahead. You can. (laughs) Yeah. It actually says at the top there what it, yeah. Anyway. Uh, so obviously this universe would start with Brave, the movie. Mm -hmm. You guys, I haven't actually seen Brave yet, but. Not yet. Oh yeah. But Steve has seen Brave a lot. Um, (laughs) (laughs) go to sleep movie and so this theory starts with merida uh discovering the the will of the wisps which is like magic right it's this blue magic-y thing in the movie sorry spoilers alerts everybody uh this it turns her mother into a bear um does the bear eat her no but uh the will of the wisps does explain why animals and inanimate objects can behave like humans. So this kind of starts this whole Pixar universe of, you know, weird things being very human. What's that? What's the word for that? It's anthropomorphic. You screwed me up when you interrupted me. Uh Anthropomorphize. Yeah. In Brave, the movie, there's this old witch who utilizes the magic and she uh, mysteriously vanishes through wooden doors. That's her mode of transportation is she goes in and out of wooden doors. I mean, she opens them and steps through the, whole, the doorway? And then closes them and bye. Wow. Yeah. Wow, who knew? So this sort of magic, in, according to this theory, is what leads to the rise of superheroes, which leads us to Incredibles. And, the, and you know, the Incredibles, they are, in, in that universe, 
and in that world the superheroes are really maintaining peace and order in the world as with good any good superhero franchise but buddy you guys remember buddy oh yeah Yeah. never wear a cape buddy never wear a cape buddy he created uh self-serving ai robots and a high tech what it's called uh zero point energy which is just a electromagnetic energy that exists in a vacuum sort Mm. of thing this is kind of where we start to see negative stuff come from the inanimate objects being basically self-aware so this leads us to toy story one in toy story one it's kind of when we start to see toys absorb this zero point energy which is you know derived from the will of the wisps magic energy it uh travels it's unseen and the first signs of life from toys are um, present because of Buddy, who's syndrome, right? His technical prowess, I guess, is what you could say. This is why we have Woody and everybody else. Yeah. And the toys, for their part, they come up with kind of rules and learn that human love can kind of enrich their lives and all of that stuff. And so they're really abiding by that. So that's fine. No problem. But then in Toy Story 2, we kind of start to discover that some toys have isolated themselves. And that's obviously very dangerous. It's because human love is actually overrated, as we all learn as adults. It's it's not actually. It's a bit fickle sometimes, too. I think, you know, when you're a toy, you can get... uh... Sent off to the goodwill or stuffed into a box. and Or know, left in, in a field, attic. in Jesse's case. Oh, oh that's yeah. sad. Yeah. The, we're gonna take she was a, the cowgirl, right? She was the cowgirl, yeah. yeah. We're going to take a little slight divergence here and hop into the ocean with Finding Splish. Nemo. Splash. We find that fish are actually incredibly advanced as well at this point. They, you know, have schools. They have a network of highways, basically. I mean, Whoa, dude! Whoa, dude, yeah. Dory is an animal in that world. Everybody knows who Dory is because it's Ellen DeGeneres, so everybody knows who that is. And the theory is, is that she was actually experimented on by humans, which is why she's so forgetful. Except story two. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'll just wait. Finding Nemo 2 kind of spears that whole idea, but I'll leave it alone. Why would anybody experiment on a fish like that? Why not just catch her and eat her? Yeah, Yeah, Finding Nemo 2 is not in anywhere in this theory. It's not. So do you want to... Finding Nemo 2 tracks Dory's origins, and I don't remember any experimentation happening in there. Well, Mm. she's forgetful. (laughs) She was forgetful since she was the itsy-bitsiest thing ever. Well, maybe her parents were experimented on. That's why she's forgetful. Ooh. Ooh. LSD mm. for fish. Yeah. Just, actually, what happened? It was a shipment, an illicit shipment from South America, and the Coast Guard like was gonna about to like board their ships, and they tossed it overboard. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm and pretty sure. Was like, oh, fish food, fish food. Whoa, yeah. man. Yeah, Whoa, man. Yeah. Whoops. Uh, their and... gums were all itchy. <laughs> Poor fish. Poor fish. Yeah. And we also see this this animal kind of curiosity and also heightened enlightenment, I guess, self awareness with Ratatouille which is one of my favorite Pixar movies. I don't know why. It's one about a rat. I like the idea of of rats. Uh, You like the idea of rats in control, I don't know. It's weird. Anyway. um, Ratatouille, by the way, is French for rat-a-tat-tat, which is the sound a machine gun makes in the comics. (laughs) Conspiracy. Yeah, there you go. Oh, my gosh. This is the first time that we see an actual interaction between, right? In Finding Nemo, there's some kind of interaction between humans and fish, but not actual. It's pretty loose. Yeah. It's terrifying interactions, mostly, which 
is causing that little the girl's unease. name when she stuck her face on? Oh, yeah, with the braces. Yeah, no, no, not interested. But it's interesting because in the first interaction in the in the Pixar universe that we see animals interacting with humans, it's to the purpose of controlling a really idiotic human. Uh, <laughs> Luigi was kind of dumb. Luigi's kind of dumb. Yeah. That's how the rat's controlling the human. I thought it was Linguini. Linguini. What did I say? Luigi. Oh, yeah. Linguini. <laughs> sorry. I was like, where's Mario? I don't know. Come on. Okay, it's, get it's it together. Rat. Get it together, Devin. Jeez. Then three years later, we hit Toy Story 3. Now, toys have gone through a lot with humans at this point. Um, grinder. Yeah, I mean, they've been physically and emotionally abused. Most, a lot of the toys that we see in this movie just straight up hate humans because humans discard toys like they're just objects because frankly, humans, I think, don't know that they're sentient beings at this point. And it's not like the toys are doing much to like let. Well, they're pretty the sneaky know. about the whole thing, frankly. Yeah. It serves them right, kind of. Yeah. yeah. The Green Army men, though, they're the ones who, they're the fighting force. Uh, they are. Except they turn out their, their Achilles heel is a magnifying glass in the sun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I had a whole set of those guys. I loved those things when I was a kid. That, not, not just last year. I mean, this was a long time ago. Yeah. They're all in the basement still. They are yeah. melting all together. Set up. And... Yeah weird shapes and <laughs> it's fine um this this kind of helps to set the stage for the uprising that we're going to see in the coming years of the sentient machines and toys and other things previously inanimate objects previously inanimate objects yes mm. uh this is when we get to up and everybody starts crying hysterically oh no mm-hmm. why why am i crying did you see up no oh you just watched the first five minutes well you you you're a heartless <laughs> you might not cry. Let but... me let me guess. Uh, his mother gets shot by a hunter. Okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. Yes. Yeah. For all of you who Spoiler haven't alert. seen up out there, yes, that uh, is exactly. Wait, what that's happens. Bambi. Dang it! No, no, you said wrong universe. <laughs> so this theory continues on that Carl and Ellie actually write to Andy to try to get rid of the to-, to try to convince him to get rid of the toys. There's no actual like backup evidence for this connection at all, but we'll we'll go with it. Why not? Um and the reason that they want to go live in solitude is because they know that this uprising is coming and so they are trying to get out so that they aren't a part of it and they can just live their human life. Now, I think you need to let people know that this this is a whole series of clues in the movie. Like, there's a letter from Carl and Ellie pinned in Andy's room. Is that right? Uh-huh. Because that's how that's how this this distinction or this this chain of events were is is kind of being assembled. It's yeah. not just. So you may not know. I guess I've gotten this far. You may not know. I just assumed everyone would. Uh, that in Pixar movies, there's stuff that references. They call them Easter eggs a lot, mm-hmm. but there's stuff, little bits of reference to connect all of the different. all the different movies together with Mm -hmm. common threads and themes. Um, And so that's where the basis of this whole theory comes from is the fact that it seems like they're connected, but why would they all be connected? And especially when we start getting into the like cars farther deeper in world where like humans just don't even exist at all. Like what could be the explanation for all of these things existing in the same world? Yeah. Thanks. That's good for me to just not be plowing through. Yeah, no. So I was like, wait a second. I just remember the, the, was it a postcard? Was that what was uh, in? I think so. Something like that. It was something. Postcard? What what are you talking about? In, I think it's Toy Story 2. There's a bulletin board. And it's one or two, I I thought. I thought it was three. Maybe maybe. three. Well, in Andy's room, there's a uh, cork board. Uh He's got things pinned to it. And one of the things is a postcard, right? 
I think think it's a postcard. I think it's a postcard, and it's from Carl and Ellie, who are the characters from Up. Ah. So this is like that, you know, now Toy Story 3 and Up didn't come out at the same time, so there's this weird back and forth little bits that are in the background suddenly becoming things that are in the foreground in another movie. Totally, yeah. Mm. Uh, so in Up, again, spoilers, I guess. Um, Carl is forced... Let's just, let's just apply a spoiler blanket to this episode. Yeah, I, which we did already. So uh, Carl is forced to uh, give up his house to a corporation, which is uh, big and large. Which we'll B&L. Talk... Well, B&L, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that in a minute because um, they're expanding the city, basically. This is foreshadowing, obviously. The corporation is the cause for the pollution of the earth, and we'll get to this when we talk about Wally, but it's mostly as a result of the technology overreach, basically, um, which we, a little bit, you know, and the references real world stuff right now too. Charles, who's the main antagonist in Up, well, one of the many main antagonists in Up, uh, he has this, this army of dogs, which he kind of abuses. And you'll remember, you remember the golden retriever mm-hmm. from Up? Of course, yeah. You know, at this point, Carl kind of figures out that animals can communicate with humans and also that animals are not happy with humans at all. And so the kind of the training of the dogs, the really inhumane treatment of animals leads to the tipping point of the war. The war between what? The animals and people? Animals and people. What about the, what about the machines the machines and the toys? machines get in, right? They, they take, they get oh, in. they're coming. Yeah. They're coming, buddy. Yeah. They're coming for you. Okay. Yeah. So... Is this Cars. war act? Does this war appear on screen? Or no, is this no, 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 no. This is kids' movies. This is like PGG <laughs> movie. There's no. This is just a. We just an assumption that people are making that a war happened. The most violent thing that ever happens in a Pixar movie happens in the beginning of every one, where that silly lamp squishes the mm. eye. That's the uh, most violent thing that ever happens. I think that's actually oh. true. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. For reasons that are not totally clear to me. I think you have to read the book to totally understand why. But for some reason, machines decided to come and and save the humans. Sided with us? They sided with the humans. I, maybe because we recreated them or something. I don't know. But well, we all know also, how that goes. They also know if they want to be like maintained and lubricated. They kind mm-hmm. of got to have us around. Well, right? not according to the Cars universe, actually. But, oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so, but we do know how this always goes. You know, machines rise up and they're like, we're going to help you. But then the machines, of course, realize, oh, hey, actually, it'd be super easy for us to defeat you as well. So, hmm. so. Well, that's why they send us away. Yeah. Well, we did pollute the earth a little bit. You know, humans basically started to ruin the earth. And so uh, we either sent ourselves away or the machine sent us away. I'm pretty sure we sent ourselves away. But also there's a question based on Wally. Maybe the machines were kind of behind the whole thing. Anyway, this is where we end up with cars, where cars who are now sentient beings are on the earth alone. But all vehicles are sentient beings at this point. Sorry, sorry. All, yeah, mm. all vehicles. Cars, planes. All of them. All of it. Yeah. Although mm. I will pause here to mention planes is not actually a Pixar only movie. No, it's but, there, but the airplanes in the cars universe are also sentient. Every, basically everything is, yes. Yes. Um, and so... And so there, there's actually, there was a movie called Planes. Yeah, it's, it's airplanes. It's by somebody else. But no, it's oh. Pixar and Disney or something. Yeah. So it's... it doesn't actually fit. Any of the Disney movies don't go in this universe, Pixar Disney movies. But, okay, so humans gone, cars existing in the world all by themselves, but also obviously polluting the heck out of the world and making it totally uninhabitable for like anything. Cool. 
Um, in Cars 2, uh, we go to Europe and Japan, which shows the same planet under the same circumstances, so we know it's not just America. With Michael Caine as the super spy car. <laughs> well, we know that, you know, it's not just America that suffered this fate of suddenly there are no humans there, but there's still human infrastructure everywhere. Yeah. You know, there's still high-rises, which, like, if cars were in its own universe, why would we have these, like, giant buildings? They're driving around in them. They live in them. How? Oh, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, no. So They use they... the elevator for crimini's sake. <laughs> Did they look desolate and, and deserted? And, and no, all, and they're perfectly maintained. On the yeah. outside, but, like, you know, I mean... Correct me if you're, I'm wrong, but I don't remember ever going into, like, a big high-rise anything. Uh, they do in Cars 2. Do they? Yeah, they're Up totally to the inside of buildings in Cars mm-hmm. 2 because there's big galas and stuff. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's where... Bruce Campbell meets the, his end. But the lower parts, right? Or they go up? I can't remember. It doesn't really matter. They go up. Probably not much. Because Mater has to use the restroom. Mm, that's right. So to my point, though, that they, you know, there's no reason for there to be this human infrastructure if cars were the only thing that ever existed in this universe. Well, you know, again, yeah, so yeah, you're right. So obviously the people were there at one point. Now all the, those high rises are obviously being used for storage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Spare um, parts, gasoline. Yeah. Obviously, there's the underlying factor that we all know about Axiom. We all know about That's Allen the Oil. That's the that takes people away. Mm-hmm. We all know about Allen Oil, which is the corporation that you know provides all of the oil and all of that stuff in the Cars movies, which is owned quite explicitly by B&L, big and large, mm-hmm. which is you know this huge corporation that runs everything. And they're the ones who run Axiom as well. So as previously mentioned... Of course, the earth becomes totally polluted and it's not like we're producing a lot of new oil for cars. So eventually the cars run out of oil and just all die. Mm. Poor Mater. I do like Mater. It's kind of fun. Yeah. yeah so they uh, so they run out of gas and, and do they just park themselves and just, they're just sort of trapped and immobile or do they just actually die? And, and I think they just are trapped and immobile and then they rust out because we see in Wally, which is what we're going to talk about next anyway... That things are just, it's just like things have... Giant trash piles. Yeah. So they've been compacted down oh. into small little neat piles of stuff. But that's how the world is, is it's just covered in trash. Um, which one would assume would be what the world would be like if it was just run by cars and stuff for a while. Or people. Or also, <laughs> also or people. Correct. Yeah. So at this time, uh, Wally is the only machine left on Earth. He survived because he was fascinated with human culture, and uh, he also, you know, has friendship with a cockroach. But he also wasn't above certain types of cannibalism, almost. I was going to say, I love the side theory that Wally is the first robotic serial killer. Did you he read is. that? I did, yeah, because he kind of is, though. I mean, the only reason, and you see this explicitly in the movies, or movie, um, the only reason that he still exists is because he's not above just literally taking parts out of other things and replacing them. It's like mm. if if hu- human parts were interchangeable, it's just like being like, oh, there's a dead body. I'm going to take those eyes because they look like they're in better shape than my eyes. Right, but the serial killer theory is that he actually yeah, kills he them all, all yeah. to save himself. Which he might have. He might have. Yeah. Oh, I see. So he found, when he found them and took their stuff, they were... Still functional. No, oh, I thought they were like the... Like, you know, basically shut off at least? Or does he actually pull the plug on himself and then part we them out? We don't know. No. 
Yeah. I kind of like the idea that cute, cuddly Wally is was out there just, just ripping the CPUs out of all of his buddies mm-hmm. and taking their parts and pieces. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah. But we also see him as, you know, kind of a almost a robot Jesus because he and his love Eve bring humans back to Earth, back to the Garden of Eden of full of trash. No? Cool. Yeah. During the credits of Wally. We do see, you remember they plant the tree that was the seed that they found on Earth. So they bring it back and they plant it. And it grows into this really giant, mighty tree, which is actually the same plant that we see in A Bug's Life. You guys remember A Bug's Life? Oh, cool. It wasn't like 2003 or something when that came out. I got to tell you, though, I kind of liked Ants better. I know it's not a Pixar movie, but I kind of liked Ants better. I don't know that I had an opinion one way or another. <laughs> Although I got to tell you, the, the the thing that kind of signed Ants off for me was, I believe, was it David Spade that played the main character in that? It was somebody like that. His voice doesn't do it for me. Mm. Interesting. Anyway, back to me talking. Sorry. Yeah, talking. Sorry. Well, you've been talking for so long. I know, like 20 minutes, right? Basically, you know, the Ants, ants all of Bugs' lives have, have been... Uh, yeah, geez. Um, they've been extended, and I think a lot of that is due to the Will of the Wisps magic that still exists in this world. So that Will of the Wisps magic um, not only has elongated bugs' lives, but also has encouraged a new step of evolution in these bugs. Oh, boy. Um, That's just what we want. Right, yeah. Uh, which does actually make them evolve into a different species i don't know if i would call it dominant in the theory it says they're the dominant species but i don't think they're dominant i think they're different and that is that they eventually evolve into the monsters of monsters you and monsters inc that's bugs yeah Yeah, that doesn't work though why because they're animals in general um, the majority of the creatures in the monsters universe monsters you and monsters inc do not appear to be insect like and well, I would imagine that if they all branched off from bugs, they would remain retain a lot of insect-like. Not necessarily. Oh, yeah. We started we started out as single cell organisms, so we were kind of just amoebas. And well, we don't look like amoebas today, do we? Well, we look a little bit like amoebas. Yeah, well, but, but some but of the, us do. The, but, the, uh, the, the the tree or the uh, what's the word? The split uh, in yeah, evolution, yeah. you know, where there's that junction. Mm-hmm. And if it's if they all come off of the same trunk, they're mm. they're more than amoebas at that point. That's okay, why so why don't we say yeah. that all animals evolved into the monsters? I will accept that. Okay, they evolved into the monsters of Monsters You and Monsters Inc., uh, right. which is hundreds, if not thousands, of years after Wally um, and a Bug's Life and a Bug's Life, which happened kind of close together. Mm-hmm. And it's you know radiation and will, magic will of wisps, magic combined. From BNL to the first create... time radiation has ever been made out to be a good thing. I know these monsters accidentally wipe humans from the face of the earth. Whoops. <laughs> Oopsies. Whoopie. Oopsie daisies. But they so in monsters, you basically monsters are taught that humans are like toxic, horrible things. We kind of are. Um, but in Monsters Inc., they're still kind of like that, but it's le- I think it's less so. Is, is like how I feel about it. I feel like the ideas have evolved a little bit, even though, you know, Monsters Inc. happened before Monsters U mm-hmm. in our actual... When in our out. universe. In our universe. So the problem here, though, is that, um, you know, monsters... They're harnessing the wrong energy form is the problem. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. On accident, 
they um, create time travel. Don't ask me how. Wait, well, Homer Simpson did it, so why can't they? Yeah, really. Yeah. Yeah. So they create time travel, and time travels through these doors, right? Because you Briefly. guys remember oh, yeah. the, the whole premise of Monsters, Inc. is that they go through the doors to the human world to, you know... Into children's bedrooms yeah, to, to scare, scare the bejesus out of to them. To scare kids, yeah. I don't know why they're scaring kids. I don't know. For Scream! Oh, yeah, because it's the wrong kind of energy. That's right. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting lost in my own theory. I'm so sorry. Uh -huh. um, but it turns out that's the wrong kind of power, so they can't actually just totally kill all of the humans. But they've accidentally created this time travel thing, and so that brings us up to the end of Monsters, Inc., which is the end of our timeline, kind of. But it also brings us to Boo. You remember Boo? Boo. Yeah. Did, you, did you see Monsters, Inc.? No. Steve, you saw Monsters, Inc. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Boo is this very cute little girl who Sully, who's that the big blue monster mm -hmm. guy, is the supposed to be... One. Yeah, he's supposed to be... I want to say haunting, but it's not haunting. It's... Scaring? Scaring or something like that. But it turns out... It's he, supposed to be terrifying. Yeah, but she, she just thinks he's adorable and amazing and wonderful and everything like that. Because he is. Because he is, yeah. But she does get... I mean, you know, but Sully eventually has to leave and not be a part of her life anymore. But she never quite gets over Sully. Instead, she becomes... The witch, you remember, from Brave, stay with me, how do the monsters travel through time? Doors. Wooden doors. How mm. does the witch in Brave travel through time? Wooden doors. Mm-hmm. She brings back the Will of the Wisps magic from the beginning to start this whole timeline over again. She's inadvertently, also, I'm guessing? Uh, I don't know if inadvertently. Maybe. Probably. I don't know. I'm not Boo, so I can't tell you what her thought process is. Boo on you. Yeah, I know. Jeez. And then she's also the one that leaves behind these little Easter eggs, which is the, you know, there's the pizza truck. that's from all Toy Story? Yeah, from Toy Story. The pizza truck is in every single Pixar movie mm -hmm. ever made in this universe or not. And Sully, I don't know if you know this or not, there's an image of Sully in every single Pixar movie ever created. I thought it was Mike. Nope, it's, it's Sully. Sully? Sully's the hairy one. Mike's mm -hmm. the eye green eyeball. I thought it was Mike. It's okay. Sully. And Sully's yeah. a monster, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's speculation that, I mean, it adds credence to this theory, right? That like Boo is going through on accident because she probably can't really control this time. Travel thing. Travel thing. Homer couldn't do she's it. She's not a monster. So but she's a little bit of a monster. Um, so she's leaving these Easter eggs to mark for herself where she's been. So her favorite things, pizza trucks and Sully. No? Maybe. I like it. I like this theory a lot. Joe, what is your thought on this whole whole thing? I mean, I know you kind of zoned out there a little bit in the middle, but... He hasn't seen any of these movies. I know, I know. I, uh, yeah, I, I like the theory. Sure, I'll go with it. Yeah. Yeah. Great. <laughs> cool. That's yeah. my conspiracy theory. Yeah, I That's just feel one. like it's it's conveniently assembled. There, there, there's some amazing leaps in in the storyline. I would story say that line. the war is the only amazing leap in the storyline. I think uh, I think it's much better than any other theory out there. See, uh, but here's my problem though: is that this this theory he made the book what like a year or so ago? Does that sound about right? Okay, well, in three more Pixar movies are going to come out in the next year or so, mm -hmm. and what's going to be very telling is if it starts to feel like he is shoehorning them into it, because I kind of feel like he shoehorned A Bug's Life in, mm -hmm. and so I'm really, that's why, 
I think it was very clean and simple when there was, say, two dozen movies. Mm -hmm. But as soon as it started spanning a much greater catalog, I think that's where the thing starts to show its threads. And here's what I'll say is that I have read a lot of negative feedback about this theory online. (laughs) And people get really mad about it. And here's what I have to say about it. It's a fun theory about Pixar movies. Oh, yeah. Guys. Yeah. There's no, like, big murder. Nobody's suffering for this theory. I think it's really fun, and I choose to believe that it's true. And then I'll just, you know, keep making leaps with the more Pixar movies that come out. But that's my cartoon conspiracy You are wrong, though. Somebody did suffer. Who? The family of the eye in Mm. the word Pixar. Because it got squished. Yeah, well, Wife and kids. Good point. I don't think In the were. dustbin now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Steve, you're right. Okay. The eye suffered. So uh, you guys want to talk about some... Yeah, let's talk about another, another big cartoon conspiracy. Okay, cool. Uh, but first, let's take a break. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. Knock, knock. Who's there? Future. Future who? Future you. Future who? You. Yes, that's right. I'm future you, and I'm here to tell you it's time to think about what you want to make of yourself, because why would I threaten all of space and time by using such a terrible joke as a means of communication? Because what you choose is that important, and these are the constraints of my little time machine. So are you considering going to college? Well, whether you're attending for the first time or going to go back to complete your degree, there are three common financial aid mistakes most students make that you can avoid. So you can discover them and also discover Southern New Hampshire University by texting DIRECT to 554433. That's texting the word DIRECT, D-I-R-E-C-T, to 554433. Southern New Hampshire U was founded in 1932. Their mission is to make higher education accessible and affordable for everyone. They're devoted to learning, not profit. So they made their campus available to the entire world by offering complete degree programs online. With, and with tuition skyrocketing across the country, SNHU has not raised their online tuition in years. And when you choose to get your education, you owe to yourself to avoid those top three financial aid mistakes. So learn about SNHU plus the, those three top mistakes I talked about and how to avoid them by texting DIRECT, that's D-I-R-E-C-T, to 554433. That's DIRECT, D-I-R-E-C-T, to 554433. Do it today so future you won't keep making universe-threatening, time-and-space-threatening jokes. And we're back. Okay, yeah, why don't you talk about your theory? My, my thing? Yeah. Okay. Well, this is an older series of cartoons. Because you're older. A little bit, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen the Coyote Roadrunner cartoons yeah. at all. Uh, PETA outlawed that about uh-huh. three years ago. Is so... it really? Yeah. No. I wouldn't <laughs> no, be surprised. Yeah. Yeah, some of those old, those old Looney Tunes cartoons have been chopped up a bit because they're, oh, they feel like they're too there's violent. Some of them are there's problem, there's yeah. some heinous content in there. Uh, yeah. Well, the yeah. Crows? Like, that was some oh, terrible stuff. The crows? Are you talking, are you talking about Dumbo? Uh, well, it was it the Three Crows in Dumbo? Yeah. Yeah, that was that was that wasn't Looney Tunes, so that was like Disney. But that's just kind of a general sign of the yeah. era in cartoons. Oh, really yeah. What I yeah, meant there, by there, there was some more racist stuff way back in the early days of cartoons. Yeah, uh, but the uh, Coyote Roadrunner was not like that. They didn't have any black characters. Actually, it was kind of Lily White. Yeah, I say there were no white people either. Come to think of it, no, there, there were, were no people. people. <laughs> yeah, there really weren't. It was just the two characters. But for those of you that haven't seen the cartoons, let me let me go over it real quick, like uh, very quick, like 
It should uh, take long. No, yeah. So it's set in the desert of Arizona, and uh, basically there is a coyote, and he, of course, is looking for dinner, and he wants to kill and eat the roadrunner. And so he devises various methods to try to kill the roadrunner, and, and every time he fails miserably. Mimi. Usually, yeah, usually uses uh, uh, you know Acme products. Uh, Acme Corporation produces a huge variety of different things mm-hmm. that could be used for killing a, a roadrunner. Mm-hmm. They always fail. Yep. And yes, and like Steve says, the, the coyote goes, goes Mimi. And the then, roadrunner. The roadrunner. Excuse me. The roadrunner always goes me me and like that and dashes off. Uh-huh. And I, and actually, there's a theory out there that coyote doesn't actually want to kill the roadrunner for dinner. The coyote actually hates the roadrunner because the roadrunner is actually not beeping. I mean, they're use, they're beeping out obscenities whenever they talk. <laughs> and so the the roadrunner is basically a foul mouthed little bastard, yeah. and yeah. he's constantly constantly saying, you know, calling calling the coyote foul names. And so the coyote is naturally really mad, hates yeah. the little guy and wants to kill him. <laughs> Yeah, all right. There that's you go. one theory that's out there. We'll right. never be able to watch it again the yeah. same yeah. way. So let's get right into it. There are there are a number of theories about uh, what explains the cartoon. I mean, what's really going on here? Okay, number one, as I said, one of the big themes is that the coyote is always ordering stuff from Acme Corporation, mm-hmm. and uh, the stuff usually fails or he misuses it or whatever. He usually winds up blowing himself up. If he gets a bomb from Acme, he'll blow himself up with it accidentally. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one of the theories that is actually out there, and I don't know who put it up originally, somebody on Reddit maybe, I don't know, but somebody theorized that perhaps the Roadrunner is actually the CEO of, of Acme Corporation. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And so he's in, a, he's in a position to assure that whenever the coyote orders anything lethal from them, he can have it sabotaged or he can sabotage it himself. And so he always foils the poor coyote who's not aware of this at all. Mm-hmm. He puts He's a black like, mark on his Amazon account. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. somebody flags it. And, uh, and there is actually a little bit of support for this. Number one, I mean, the Acme products do you know, unfailingly fail. There's no doubt about that. Well, no, sometimes they work, but they work at the wrong time. Oh, there's that too. But they don't quite work the way the coyote would like them to. Uh, and so, uh, and uh, another possible, another pro thing here is, well, there is a picture on the web of the Roadrunner wearing a suit and tie. Yeah. And as uh, we know, the internet that. is true. Yeah, it totally yeah. is. And so, I mean, and so, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if that means he's CEO or if that maybe he was just dressing up for his prom, maybe. Well, you know, if you look at the Roadrunner, he, the way his coloring is on his body, uh-huh. he could be wearing a Roadrunner version of a shirt with a vest on because the, the colors on his wings are different than his front. So he could have the old school business suit vest on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, could be. Or maybe those are just his natural colorings. I don't know. But so that is the theory. And it's out there. You will find a video about this out there on the webs if you want to look for it. Uh, you won't have much much trouble. That on the con side, on the anti side of this theory, uh, there is the fact that the, the Roadrunner has a brain the size of a pea, and he couldn't really be the CEO of anything except maybe a nonprofit. Me, uh, at the most. <laughs> yeah. No fair. That's not yeah. fair, Joe. <laughs> um, and uh, there's also the question of, of time. I mean, how would he have time to run this massive corporation? And Acme is a massive corporation. They produce all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So he's running this corporation, and he also has time to intercept all the coyotes' orders and sabotage these products. And he has all this time also to run around the desert way out in Arizona. 
You know, so. the thing is, though, if you think about it, there are world leaders who are in charge of entire countries and yet still have time to spend obscene amounts of their day on Twitter. Mm-hmm. That's true. Some golfing. Do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there is golfing, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lots yeah, of that, golfing. That, that was that's popular. That's been popular with a few presidents. It's true. Yeah. But still, and, and the last of all, uh, I mean, if he really was CEO, it's not great PR to sabotage your products and then have it arranged to have it filmed so that the whole world gets to see your products fail in a big way. That, that's actually, for me, kind of the death knell for this particular theory, is that, mm. you know, why would he do that? Yeah. You know, at, at the very least, you would think he would at least, you know, like erase or paint over the Acme label, perhaps, before yeah. he shifted Put his, to the, Maybe he's the CEO of a rival company. That's always, a, actually, that is another theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, there is that possibility that... Actually, he's not the CEO of a company or anything, but these cartoons were created by a rival company. Hmm. And, and so, and actually, the company was called Pinnacle Corporation. Uh, <laughs> they supplied the Coyote with all kinds of free stuff that was sabotaged, and some of it wasn't even Acme stuff. They had just mislabeled it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. like, like uh, you know, for example, the, uh, the missile in episode 29, you've probably seen that one where he launches the big a big rocket or down the road after the road. Big red one, right? Uh, this was a black, a white one with black markings. Okay. In, in this case. And They've had multiple colorings. So yeah, essentially, yeah, essentially it's just, it's following him down the highway and it catches up with the roadrunner and the roadrunner looks over, over it and goes, meet me, which we know means you. <laughs> and, and then rockets away and the rock, and, and so he is not killed by the rocket. But, Acme didn't even make it. It appeared, it appeared to be maybe an anti-tank missile, mm. and Acme doesn't make those, and right. so that was deliberately mislabeled. Mm. Propaganda, mm. yeah. Anyway, they they uh, they supplied Pinnacle supplied this stuff to the Coyote, uh, which he was willing to do. He didn't really need it because he's a Coyote. He knows how to catch a frickin' Roadrunner. Maybe, right? but he was uh, he was willing to do it uh, for the sake of being on TV. What he didn't know was that they were going to fraudulently edit the film to make him look like a buffoon. Like uh, we do with every single episode for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. This is original reality TV. I know. With cartoons. Uh, yeah, uh, the coyote, the, the, the after the cartoons started coming out, and he caught wind of it, he went public actually denouncing uh, <laughs> denouncing the, the cartoons as, as, as fraudulent propaganda. And, uh, and coincidentally or not, uh, the state of Arizona announced like the, the day after his press conference that there was a new, they were implementing a new predator reduction program. Uh, and so there's a, there's been some theorizing right there alone. There might be a little, maybe the fix was in hmm. with the state of Arizona. Uh, and so, uh, the coyote at, after that point kind of vanished from public view other than cartoons. And so the other thing, the other thing about this, the, the, the propaganda thing is if you look very closely at the cartoons, the roadrunner is actually subtly different in many of the episodes. Um, and the reason that that is, is theorized as well, he got killed a lot. The coyote actually succeeded in killing him all the mm. time. But again, through editing, they could, they could take out the like... parts where he got uh, you know, blown up, stabbed, or whatever. For example, that same episode I was talking about, episode 29, with mm-hmm. the missile. Mm-hmm. Well, the missile catches up with him. He goes, meep, meep, and then disappears down the highway. Well, actually, right after he went, meep, meep, the missile exploded and shredded him. 
<laughs> yeah. They just they edited it. They did. They chopped it right there, and then they put in footage of another roadrunner sprinting down the highway and getting away. This right is there. like the uh, the Three Stooges when they're just splicing in old footage. Uh huh. Yeah. And, okay. And, and okay. so uh, there were actually many. It, it appears there were actually many roadrunners, and a lot of them got killed. In this particular case, um, the coyote did get his dinner, but there was not that much. It was about enough to fill a taco. <laughs> and, and but a little disappointing for him, but he did get something out of it. Yeah. Uh, and so those are the theories about those are those two theories about Acme. Um, and there's a few other ones out there too. Uh, yet one more head of Acme, I guess. I forgot about this one, and that is Wiley Coyote is a genius, and he is the head of Acme. Believe hmm. it or not. Yeah, Wiley Coyote is not only a genius, and he can talk. Which you never see him doing in the cartoons. He, he holds signs up sometimes. He can in the cartoons, he holds signs up. Yeah. Well, you don't see him writing because you don't see that. You just see him holding up the signs. That's true. Yeah. So. I I think I swear I've seen ones where he, he's like scribbling on it and then holds it up. Mm. I swear I've seen. Maybe that's older or that's newer ones yeah. since the original series. Well, that could be. And it, but but my understanding is the prop guy would hand him a sign and he would hang it. He would just hold it up for the camera. <laughs> but. Uh, Essentially, the coyote, why the coyote not only is not, he's not chasing the roadrunner, he may not even know the roadrunner even exists. Actually, he's busy, he's busy running Acme Corporation, and what he's done is he has hired a bunch of coyotes out in Arizona to be product testers. Hmm. And, uh, for example, if they've sent uh, some coyote or another, say, a bunch of rocket-powered roller skates... And they're out there testing them on the highway, and there just happens to be a roadrunner. Well, what are you going to do? You know, chase you're a coyote. Yeah. yeah, with rocket-powered roller skates, of course you're mm. going to try to chase. Yeah, but like many product testers and test pilots and such people, they you know they often had patchy results. Sometimes they got killed or maimed or hurt. Mm. But, but but yeah, and so that's why there were a lot of coyotes. Uh, and one of the one of the theories behind this is that the the coyote, as I said, never talks in the roadrunner cartoons. But in the Looney Tunes universe, actually, Wiley Coyote appeared in some other cartoons. Uh, and he's very well spoken. Yeah, and he speaks quite. Yeah, he speaks a lot. And uh, yeah, and he's very well spoken. Obviously, a smart animal. So why is he not talking in the Roadrunner cartoons? Well, probably because it's just you know less intelligent sort of product testers. Yeah, dun, yeah. dunderhead coyotes that you know out the, from out there in the sticks. And and another thing is that in the cartoons. The coyote, why the coyote is always coming back from the dead. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm sorry, that's not possible. True. Yeah. So this is a new theory? Yeah. So we're, yeah. We're, we're off of product testers? Or uh, we're no, no, no. New... We're still in the same theory. Oh, why okay. the coyote is a genius, and there were just many coyotes, and that's why, of course, it had to be a bunch of different coyotes. Why the coy and Are we saying could, maybe he cloned himself? He could have possibly cloned himself, or it's just possible he hired a bunch of coyotes because, I mean, let's face it, there's a lot of coyotes out there. That's true. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, that is that theory. And actually, I think that the theory that he was the head of, of Acme is a, a better theory than the theory that the Roadrunner was the head of Acme. Yeah. I believe so. I, I really do. Although it's not airtight, i got to admit, there's a few holes in it. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, his behavior in other crossover uh, appearances, mm, you can yeah. see it. Yeah. And then he had that, there was that one where he's, uh, he's trying to get the sheep and the sheepdog keeps beating the stuffing out of him. Yeah. Yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> uh, I think that was early in his career before he actually, you know, he was working his way through college and, <laughs> and, and, and then, uh, 
got himself an MBA. The red muff or the red stripe in front of his eyes. Yeah. yeah. And they would clock in in the morning. Morning, Ralph. Morning, Fred. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> this is a classic. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm off course here. What am I saying? Uh, there's another theory out there, which is that. Um, Neither one of them is actually head of acne, but these cartoons take place in a post-apocalyptic nuclear wasteland, huh. which, yeah. When did, when did the cartoon series start? Uh, I believe 49. I think it started in 1949 and ran through 66. So we're talking so Cold we're, War. Yeah, we're I mean, talking, yeah, totally nuclear scare time. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, as, as I already said, the cartoons were set in Arizona. Uh, it appears actually in Monument Valley, Arizona. Popular tourist destination. And yet, you never see a car. You never see a human being, ever. It's totally deserted. It's Mad Max land out there. Another pro in this theory is that the coyote seems desperate for food. He wants that roadrunner really bad. But if there were still people around, I mean, there'd be a lot of leaving... Scraps. A lot of scraps, a lot of garbage piles to go through, things like that. Apparently, those don't exist anymore because people are gone. They've Mm. been exterminated by nuclear war. Interesting. Yeah, well, and another thing is that the Roadrunner, as you know, runs abnormally fast in these cartoons. Mm-hmm. Because in real life, an actual the actual top speed, as far as I know, of a Roadrunner is 26 miles an hour. That is the top, the record for a Roadrunner. What's the top record for a Coyote? About 40 miles an hour, I've heard. Okay. Yeah. And, and so, the top record for like a missile is much faster. Yes. Yeah. And, and so you sort of wonder if maybe the effects of radiation have caused a mutation to make you know super speedy roadrunners, or maybe just R one at least is is abnormally fast because mm. he's practically supersonic. He's he the is. Flash. Yeah. And then of course we've got oh. the Coyote himself. The Coyote is standing on two legs, you know, and he's actually like you know ordering stuff from Acme and assembling it, doing all kinds of sophisticated stuff. Maybe, once again, radiation does amazing things. Yeah. It teaches you how to assemble things from Ikea, apparently. Yeah. 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 And so, um, of course, one of the cons of this is, well, if it's a post-apocalyptic world, then how can Acme Corporation exist and how can it be ordering stuff from them? And what I think, what I believe actually is happening here is that he's picking through the remains of this wasteland and uh, and just finding Acme products and adapting them in his quest to kill the Roadrunner or Roadrunners. And the whole thing is just he's actually kind of delusional about that. He wants human civilization to return. He wants the world to go back to the way it used to be. Mm. And so he's actually, even though he's finding these products, he's got this dreamlike delusion going on in his head that it's actually being, he's ordering them and they're being delivered to him by some human being. But actually, no, he's just picking them off a trash pile or taking them off out of somebody's house. Or kind of like Wally? Yeah, yeah, kind of like Wally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Uh, Wiley so. Coyote, the original Wally. Mm-hmm. That's why they both have E in their name. Maybe. Yeah, well, could be. Yeah. yeah. Wall E, Wile E. Yeah, mm-hmm. good point. You guys like that one or not? I know. It's yeah. kind of sad and hopeless. You yeah. Know? It, is. it is, yeah. Okay, let's move on to the next one, which is even more sad and hopeless. <laughs> Sweet! <laughs> yeah, this is a popular one out there on the, on the, on the interwebs. Uh, this one is that Wiley Coyote is in hell. I like this one the most. Yeah, and so in this, in this particular interpretation of the universe, the first episode of the series actually did take place on planet Earth. And, of course, as always, the coyote dies, because he always dies multiple Spoilers. times. Yeah. yeah. And then all the rest of the episodes after that took place in hell, even though you can't tell, but... Well, 
Arizona yeah, is kind of hellish. Arizona's kind of like yeah. Hell, so. <laughs> yeah. Apologies to our Arizona listeners. Uh, they so know as to why he was sent to hell. Uh, I guess the feeling is that uh, because he tried to murder the Roadrunner, mm-hmm. you know, which apparently is a sin. Maybe know. he's murder. just awful. Maybe he's just maybe awful. it's just a terrible human. Or maybe being. it's yeah. maybe it's that whole you know no dogs don't go to heaven so. Yeah, maybe where, coyotes where aren't else allowed in heaven. Yeah, that's it. So they got to go to hell. Yeah. Yeah. Just like goats. Yeah. I know. I just, just love like it. Goats. He shows up, knock, knock. St. Peter says, go to hell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Get so, out of here. Yeah. Scat. <laughs> <laughs> so poor guy's got to go to hell. Yeah. I oh, love me a good St. Peter joke. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, so, <laughs> I've got a lot of them. Uh, but that's, we'll do that later. Yeah. Okay. So, Different episode. Yeah. So the pros in this theory. Uh, well, the, the setting is it's a scorched, blazing hot desert, which they never can escape. You know, so they never leave the desert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they both, I mean, they both apparently have the means to get out of there. I mean, the Roadrunner can move super fast, so it could escape, but it doesn't. Yeah. yeah he's the coyote is smart enough to figure out how to order stuff from Acme, so he could probably score a map and figure out a place to go where, you know, there's a little more foliage and it's not so hot. And yet he can't, it seems like. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was about to say, well, there's there's at least one, if not more, episodes where he's gone up into the mountain, uh, into the snow, but mm-hmm. he's freezing. Yeah. And I was like, okay, well, that's very hell-like, though. You go from one extreme of uh, discomfort to the other extreme of discomfort, from also, cooking yeah. alive to freezing alive. Sure, yeah. He's also, you know, kind of stuck in this mortal loop. Yeah. You know? It's kind of like Groundhog Like, literally, day. his yeah. entire life is just caught up in failing in like horrendous ways to, yeah, mm-hmm, I know. to achieve his goal, which I think is kind of like and hell. His, his goal is, yeah, exactly. His goal is always withheld from him. His, yeah. his dream uh, is he's always chasing his creature. You can never catch it. Uh, he's always pursuing this dream that he will never realize. This is the and, this and he, this one actually explains the one thing I've been waiting for you to explain in the Roadrunner series, which is the painted tunnels. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, he paints the tunnel with the road going exactly. through it, and the Roadrunner goes through it, Rockets and then it. he goes into it, thunk, yeah, and hits smash. it hard. Curse smash, exactly. So the, the normal rules of physics and everything don't seem to apply in this yeah. place. Well, so what you're saying is the Roadrunner is Satan. Uh, or, or Satan's agent or something, but... Yeah, uh, let's another... be honest. Satan can't actually inflict pain and hell on everybody. Yeah, he has he's to got, have he's, assistance. He's, he's got, he definitely needs assistance. And what better and he, assistance and also, than... Satan can do a lot, but he can't run that fast. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Have you seen those hubs? Well, and here's the other thing. I mean, again, as I mentioned earlier, the, 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 the Roadrunner in the cartoons runs unnaturally fast. Mm-hmm. Faster than they actually ever do in real life. Well... And faster than a rocket. And, you know, whereas in, in real life, usually a coyote can outrun a roadrunner. Yeah. yeah. And, so it would explain hell, a lot. Yeah, that explains something. Yeah. And, of course, you know, last of all, the coyote can't die. Have you noticed that? I every have, t- Every yeah, time yeah. he gets killed, he comes back. Yep. Well, he yeah. never actually dies, though. That's the thing. is like he falls down, and you see the poof when he hits the bottom of the cliff or the mm. chasm, and then there he is bandaged up, but somehow still yeah. alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's it's one of other, either he just cannot be killed or he dies, but then like in Groundhog Day, like Bill Murray in Groundhog Day, the next day he wakes up and crap, I'm back in hell. Yep. You know, and, and so... Here I am. Yeah, I'm... Um, Which level of hell is he on in Dante's yeah. scale? Yeah, yeah, for real. Yeah, he's on the Arizona level. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Not to put down Arizona, <laughs> a fine place. Uh, 
And so there, there's the healthier. That's a popular one. I like um, that one the most. That, yeah. You know, it's funny. A lot of cartoons have a hell theory out there. This is, besides the three that we're talking about today, I was casting about for others. And it's amazing how many hell slash purgatory theories there are out there for uh-huh. different cartoons. Yeah, well, because, you know, a lot of these creatures really kind of are going through hell. Well, I mean, even the ones that are of uh, with human cartoon characters, like Ed, Ed, and Eddie, that there's a, a theory that they're in hell. I mean, it's it's weird. Mm-hmm. Well, it could be. Hey, I mean, Arnold is supposed to be a, a parable of death as well. So yeah, yeah. I, I have a theory that we're in hell right now because yeah. it is so bleeding hot in here. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not that bad. <laughs> but, I, well, let's move on to our next and last theory for the Roadrunner. Yeah, for our Roadrunner Coyote cartoons. Okay. Uh, and that is, uh, and that is that the cartoons were actually a creation of the Arizona Department of Tourism, <laughs> and uh, and the reason they did it is that they were afraid that tourists who had small children or babies would be concerned at, about the dingo ate my baby scenarios, you know, mm-hmm. and you know young mothers and with little babies worrying that they were going to be carried off by the coyotes and stuff, and so they made these blatant propaganda films that essentially portrayed the coyotes as harmless and and just incredibly incompetent and that they can't even catch and kill a, a freaking roadrunner even yep. with all kinds of tech to back them up they can't mm-hmm. do it you know it's sort of a reassuring thing for potential tourists yeah i prefer that they're in hell you like that one <laughs> but here's one of some of the pluses here for this theory uh, it is set in arizona as we said and it's set arizona let's face it is a, a fairly big place but it's set in monument valley again it, it, I, at least i seem to recognize some of the landmarks mm-hmm. there. and uh, and yet You'll probably find actually more coyotes in like the suburbs of Phoenix and outlying areas around Phoenix. So why isn't it set there? That would be just as passable, really. Well, and but so, I mean, think about when it started. Is that Phoenix was not nearly as sprawling of a city then as it was now. There was a hell of a lot more open desert space, mm-hmm. and the coyotes weren't in town because people weren't in their space. Well, sure. there was. I'm sure they were still in the periphery of town, but. But my, my point is that it's not a coincidence, I think, that they pick one of the most scenic, most touristy places in Arizona mm-hmm. to, to enact their little drama. Uh, the, the Department of Tourism obviously wants tourists to come there, so they not only send out this thing out saying, hey, you know, the dingo ain't going to eat your baby, by the way, he can't, he's too stupid, mm-hmm. and also, and hey, look at, this, look at this fantastic scenery, don't yeah. you want to come to Arizona? Yeah. And so I think it was just, uh, yeah, just basically... Yeah, propaganda by the Department hmm. of Tourism. Hmm. Uh, and so those are our theories. And uh, there's one more Roadrunner mystery, actually, which is, and, and this mystery is, why did they do it? But let me tell you the story first. In 19, oh, okay. And a, a movie came out in 1979 called The Villain, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger and uh, Kirk Douglas. And it is, uh, it's actually, it's not a cartoon, it's actually a film movie. And, and essentially it's, a ripoff of the Roadrunner Coyote movies, starring with Arnold as essentially as the Roadrunner and Kirk Douglas as the Coyote. You're kidding and, me. Uh, it's hard to believe it. That's the mystery. Here. Who thought this was a good idea? It's, no one. It's just, oh, well, somebody obviously did. They made Wait, the movie. What year was it? I think it came out in 79. And so that was early Schwarzenegger when he made a lot of... I was going to say, Arnie was... He was Mr. Universe at least once, if not twice at that point. Like, he was gold. Oh, yeah. And and he made, in his early career, some, frankly, horrible movies. I mean, 
truly terrible. Oh yeah, they and dubbed him. His his speaking voice was so unintelligible. Uh, at yeah, one at point. least at least one they did. Yeah, but anyway, this one's great if you can find it on Netflix or whatever it's called. The villain stars Schwarzenegger and Kirk Douglas. And <laughs> Boy, it's so bad. Okay. I mean, it's so bad. I mean, it's so bad. It's good. It yeah. really is. How? Yeah, it, you know, rent it and ha- have your friends over, get some beers, have a party, and just laugh your laugh yourselves silly because Great. boy, it's bad. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but that's off the topic. Uh, that's about mm-hmm. it for uh, my cartoon conspiracies for the Coyote and the Roadrunner. Um, Great. Yeah. Uh, so, what, what do you guys want to talk about now? Well, I have one. Oh, oh. You do. Well, of course I do. This was this was the three story thing that we agreed on. Oh or yeah, we, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I noticed that my stuff got bumped to the end, mm-hmm. like you were going to try and cut me out. But no, no, not uh, happening uh, this time. Okay, okay. Yeah, no. My theory is all based around none other than Scooby Doo. Mm. The 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 cartoon that formed the majority of my my personality. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty my, sure that's true too. My fit. My personality. I mean, I've always identified with this show through my entire life. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. this show. But... Obviously, th- a lot of people did. So, yeah. yeah. Well, And, you know, the funny thing is, is that... Well, you know, we should probably do this because we have to do this in the beginning of each of these. Is that for anybody who grew up under a rock and doesn't know who Scooby-Doo is... Oh, yeah. Or is like seven. You know, some... Like, we have young listeners. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're not under a rock. They're under their parents' thumb. Yes. Uh, so Scooby-Doo uh, is a cartoon. It was originally released in 1969 by CBS... Uh, and was made by Hanna-Barbera, who at that time basically created just about every cartoon that was out there. Yeah, they did like the Flintstones and the Jetsons and Their catalog all that is stuff. huge. Yeah. If you go to their website, it is just amazing the number of shows that they have. There's mm-hmm. an interesting Hanna-Barbera universe theory out there, too. So, Oh, Ooh. I'm, I, I'm well, not next, surprised by this at next all. Next time we do this. Um, so the... the Scooby-Doo show has a cast of characters that is very similar to the cast of characters on this podcast. Uh, and by that, I mean that they go out and they solve mysteries every week. And Jinkies. We, and we have a dog. Yeah. Well, we, we, do. Have, we have two cats. It's oh, close. Close enough. And Joe identifies with Fred. Yep. But it's mostly because yeah. of the ascot that he's wearing all the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I like my ascot. <laughs> um, so basically, the gang is made up, uh, for those who don't know, five members. There is Fred, who maybe is the de facto leader. There's Daphne, who is the pretty one, and she's now, always that... getting caught. Okay, all right. She's yep. a, she she's fills the, the damsel in redhead. distress. Hmm? She fills the damsel in distress. Yep, yep. There's Velma. She's the smart one and the skeptic. Uh, she's skeptical about everything, specifically the supernatural. And then there's Shaggy. He's the tall, goofy guy who loves food and is constantly scared of everything. And, of course, the, the namesake of the show, Scooby-Doo, who is a great Dane and, like Shaggy, is scared of just about everything and absolutely loves food. And in particular, his Scooby Snacks. Which are what? Scooby Snacks. Scooby Snacks. That's like those little chocolate bars you get out of the litter box. No, no, no that, that's Kitty Almond Roca. That's oh, okay. a completely different snack. Oh, okay. Uh, but the, the most important thing about Scooby is he can talk. Mm-hmm. Scooby can talk. Yeah. Ruh-roh, Raggy. Uh-huh. Love Scooby. So it should come as no surprise that just like all the other ones, there are there are conspiracy or fan theories out there surrounding the show. Mm, of course. And there are dozens, if not hundreds of them, and I really pared the list down to what I would consider the two key 
the key theories out there. The best ones. Yeah, yeah, they're the best ones. I mean, there's there's some fun ones. Like, there's the author, Ailey Martinez. I was reading his website. He actually came up with Scooby theories, which is really funny that he took the time to do that. We're not going to include his, but that just gives you an idea of, like, Scooby is so prevalent and so far out there. So let's start with theory number one of let's hear it. Scooby-Doo. The first theory is that Shaggy and Scooby are high from smoking pot all the time. I thought that wasn't even a theory. I thought that was just accepted. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's why I made it the first one to Uh tackle here. So for people who may not have been in the the know like Devin and, and just made that presumption... There's a couple of things you'll notice about Shaggy and Scooby. Like I said, they are always, and I mean always, hungry. They are always, always scared, almost to the point of paranoia. They will do almost anything, though, for a Scooby snack. Initially, it's only Scooby, but eventually Shaggy gets in on the game and will do things for Scooby snacks. Which makes people think that maybe the Scooby Snack is a euphemism for pot cookies. So that's mm-hmm. this is following the stoner theory. Of course, if you're already stoned, I don't think you really need any more. Probably don't need pot cookies. You obviously have not known people who like to to partake in the marijuana. Oh, really? Oh yeah, no. There's the never, there's never, there's never enough. It's just like the Twitter. The marijuana is just like the Twitter. That's the way we talk about these things. Okay. Okay, more descriptions about these two that make people think that possibly they're uh, they're high all the time. Well, they laugh and they giggle a lot. They're very distracted and spaced out. So they're not paying attention. And then all of a sudden, you know, they realize where they are, which is very drug habit behavior. And uh, don't forget that they travel around in a van called the Mystery Machine that has huge hippie flowers painted on the back sides of it. Yeah. Mm. So that's, you know, if this is a 1969-1970 cartoon, these are all things that make people think, well, it's got to be that they're all about drugs. Do you, mm-hmm. think, uh, could, do you think that the Jack in the Box stoner commercial was kind of an homage to Scooby-Doo? I don't remember that commercial. That's the one. It's uh, Jack in the Box. If you haven't heard of it, it's a fast food uh, place. Everybody knows who Jack in the Box is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, our overseas <laughs> oh, friends. Oh, you're right. You're right. I apologize. They have a, they have a drive-through, and uh, there's this man sitting at the drive-through, and this 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 voice comes out, uh, "Sir, sir, would you like to order?" And it's this stoner kid behind the wheel. He's going, "Oh, wait, I don't know what to order." And then suddenly, the the Jack in the Box doll on the on the the dashboard starts talking to him. Says, oh hey, yeah, you might want to try the breakfast tacos. And he goes, "Oh yeah, great idea. How many should I get?" <laughs> and Jack in the Box, and, and then Jack says, thirty. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then Stoner goes, "That's what I was thinking." That's <laughs> a that's a great commercial. But I, I don't know if it was an homage to Scooby or not. This week's but... episode brought to you by Jack in the Box. Yeah, a little product placement there. Um... Cool. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so there's some other things that make people think that they're totally they're totally potheads, though. There's the fact that whenever the van drives away, there's a big cloud of smoke behind it. If you've ever seen mm-hmm. that, they do that that full rear van drive away scene, and there's always a big cloud of smoke. Also, the way that Shaggy talks, like Zoinks, man. Yeah, like the the like stereotypical stoner talk. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, he's, he does have that uh, that speech pattern. Yeah. 
And again, this this came out first in 1969. Yep. Okay. The original series ran 69 and 70. I think it was 25 or 26 episodes total mm-hmm. uh, between the two the two years. So okay. Right, well, right about when Mary Jane was becoming very popular. I think it was yeah. a little after that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, but oh, here's the other thing that really gets everybody thinking that maybe Shaggy is high all the time. Because you know what Shaggy can do that nobody else can? Don't he talk. can understand Scooby. Like, Scooby-Doo points, you know, the, the, the pointer dog action. He'll do that, and the other characters get where, where he's pointing at. But Scooby talks to Shaggy, and he doesn't, and it'll be the first, uh, the first seasons, ever talk to anybody else. So people have said, well, okay, well, obviously this entire thing is the pot-induced hallucinations of Shaggy. Mm-hmm. Pot-induced hallucinations. Well, it's I guess I never smoked. I guess I never smoked enough pot. I don't. I, never, I guess I've I never, never talked to any dogs. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I talk to dogs all the time, but not not. I've never had them well, talk back to me. Yeah, I talk to dogs too. But yeah, exactly. So this this whole thing sounds pretty convincing on the outside. Yeah. Yeah. Except there's some giant flaws in it. Because of the fact that, um, you know, the, the show, like we said, made in the late 60s, it's based on teenage personalities of that era. So there's a bunch of stoner kids running around that would explain why Shaggy acts the way he does. Right. And, and yet you've got, talks, yeah. yeah, and yet you've got Fred and Daphne and Velva who are kind of, you know, they're prudes. They would never take uh, partake in that. Mm-hmm. But here's the big reason that probably the whole stoner thing is not right. The guys at Hanna-Barbera, in conjunction with CBS, have gone on the record many, many times and said, this is not what's happening. There's a gentleman, his name is, I really hope I don't mess this up, Iweo Takamoto. And he is an animation legend in his own right. He worked at Disney starting in the mid-40s, and eventually he went to Hanna-Barbera in 61. And he was involved in gads of cartoons that were from that time frame. But he has said that the idea for the show was to make a very wholesome show that had no violence and nothing that was considered illicit. If you ever think about when you watch Scooby-Doo, have you ever seen a gun? In the, those first uh, two seasons? No. 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 You never see anybody punch anybody. That's why Fred comes up with these goofy contraptions for Shag and Scoob to lead the, the monster into. Where it's, you know, this Rube Goldberg device that eventually nets them or, you know, catapults them away. It's because there's no actual violence taking place. That was the design of the show. Was to not have that happen. Hmm. So to work in a that joke... Must be, that must be why there's no violence anymore. Yeah, All those children exactly. saw these nonviolent yeah. cartoons. And, yeah. but, but that's why the idea of them, them working in like an inside joke that two of their characters was high doesn't fit in. There's also the issue of Fred Silverman. He, is, he was one of the studio execs at CBS, and he was really, really involved in the show, and he was pretty straight-laced. And would either have had to been complicit, which people have said there's no way he would have been, 
or he would have had to been obscenely unaware of what was going on in the show. Maybe he was high. Which <laughs> which was yeah. also very unlike him <laughs> yeah. to be completely unaware of what is going on in a show that he's producing. Now, it sounds like this theory actually predates the internet, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. By, by quite a ways. So oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I grew up, I remember as a kid, my parents laughing about the fact that they thought that Shaggy and Scooby were on, were smoking dope. I mean, it's been around forever. I uh, hear, I hear your backup. I hear your evidence, but I choose to disregard all of it. Really? Mm-hmm. Do you think they were stoners? Yeah, totally. They were stoners. Eh, yeah. I, I don't. Definitely. I think that, I think that Shaggy is just an idiot. Uh, I think he's a stoner. I mean, I'd be probably tripped and hit his head a couple of too many times <laughs> running away from monsters. I think that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. You I, can I, think that if you want. I kind of agree with Devin. I think he was a stoner. But mm. well, well, before we, we, I totally come down thoroughly on the side of that, what's your other theory? Oh, well, yeah. No, I do have... Uh, well, I guess your other theory is But not it's completely totally, different. It's not, so, but it's not totally incompatible either. No, it's the not... The theories com- are not mutually exclusive. No, that really. is true. They are not mutually exclusive. But I'll go yeah. ahead and you can continue to poo-poo and call my favorite characters in the world potheads. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. I will not be over here crying. Look at that. You didn't do it. Ha! I'm just I'm just over here wondering if you're just saying that people like you're just saying, oh, making them stoners means that you no. can't like them as characters anymore. No. No, oh. not at all. I yeah. mean you, Jay and Silent Bob are obscenely popular and yeah. they are notoriously stoned all the time. True. True yeah. story. For yeah. for real. So, so yeah. characters could be doing whatever's going on, but I don't believe that Shag and Scoob are truly on the, the, the Sheba. The Sheba. That's one I haven't heard before. Is this the 60s? The is, this, is this Reefer Madness? Like, what's happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, let's hear about your other theory. Yeah. Let's not talk about drugs anymore. Oh, and I want to state just for our younger listeners, uh, by the way, this does not constitute an endorsement of marijuana Oh, God, use. no. No, 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 no. Not no. at all. Not at all. Not at all. This not is all about 21. a cartoon. Yeah, no, and, and after you're, tw- and after you're 21, uh, you're going to get pee tested at work, so you shouldn't do it then either. So, yeah, you're pretty much screwed, uh, but that's okay. It's overrated. Don't worry about missing it. You're not missing out. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Let's go on to Scooby-Doo theory number two. This theory, which is really kind of a big one, and I have to tell you, this is one of those, you, you read something on the internet, and then you have that mind-blown moment. Uh-huh. This one does that for me. And the theory says that the entire cartoon from the original 69 to 1970 series took place in a country where a major economic crisis had happened and the entire country is in an unprecedented depression. So in this yeah. area, they're all not just riding around in the van. They're kind of living in it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, kind that's, of that's kind of an unstated yeah. fact here. Yes. And there's this story's got some legs or this theory, I should say, uh, because if you ever look at where the gang goes, they're always run down places. They're always abandoned places. They're always the crappiest places in the world. I mean, for God's sakes, they went on vacation once and they ended up in a deserted lodge in the mountains. I guess I just always thought that's because they were like broke teenagers. Yeah, no, no. This is this whole theory right. says that Interesting. No, yeah, okay. everything is run down and nothing is being maintained because nobody has the money to do that. Everybody is focused on making some money to get some food because mm. that's really what matters at this point. And that's why Shaggy and Scooby are always starving. Yes, exactly. Gotcha, okay. Okay. But you never do you ever see them like breaking into cars and stealing stuff? No, you don't because you that's edited you out. 
Because they're wholesome. Oh, is that it? Okay. I'm sure yeah. they, they must Nothing have done a lot it. of that. Yeah. <laughs> well, but he, you know, if you, but no, 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 he actually shag and scoob steal food all the time because if you ever see them walk into someplace and there's food on a table, they begin to immediately shovel it into their faces without asking if it's okay. He's technically mm-hmm. stealing. They're, they're starving. So it's not stealing. Is that what you're oh, saying? Oh no. I just like, they like walk into the resort and there's food and they're like, Oh yeah. No, no, no not a resort. They like, they go to the, Oh, well there's the haunted mansion up on the hill and they go there and there's a whole pallet of cakes and those two will just dive in. That's true. On, you know, without asking. Is that a wise sure. idea at the haunted mansion? No, it's not. Taking that cakes? Yeah. No, no. Ghost cakes are the worst. Uh, yeah. yeah. You're hungry 20 minutes later. Yeah. Mm. Uh, okay. So, but let's, let's stop and let's think about the villains in the show. Because if you ever look at the villains, they're always monsters. They're always, they're pretending they're masquerading as monsters and ghosts and all these other things. But if you ever looked at the motive at the end of the show of what they're actually after, because what they're actually after is money. Yeah. There are a total of 27 villains in the original series. 23 of them are trying to steal land or money or smuggle something to make money. Now, there's some others in there that do it for, like, semi-petty reasons. Uh, let's see. There was winning a contest. Oh, now, this is kind of... this could You could see it in this environment. Getting back at someone for getting fired. Because you know how hard it is to get a job in a depressed economy? Oh, yeah. Um, let's see. What else is there? Oh, and then there are two of them who did it because they were trying to land a job. Uh, oh, and then one, one guy. You know why he was doing what he was doing? Why? Because he hates robots. Because you know what robots do? Take your job. Yeah. They take your job, take man. Take your jobs. Yeah, stupid bender. Let's um, go kick their ass. <laughs> I was actually just thinking about there's that episode of Futurama where they do, it's a, it's a like we're doing right now, it's a three-part episode, and they have one where they are, they do Scooby-Doo, and it's hilarious. Bender is scooby uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. I gotta well, see this one. Speaking, yeah. uh, speaking of other great cartoon takeoffs on Scooby Doo, uh, South Park did a great Scooby Doo episode. Is that ago. the one with corn? Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was, it, was, it was their Halloween episode. Yeah. Oh, God. It was funny. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's get back. Let's okay. Get back uh, where are we at here? here? No. Um, I was talking about the villains. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all of our villains, they're actually, they're, they have pretty. Oh God! What's the word? And they have a impressive skill sets. Yeah, they're fairly educated. Like they should be, if they were normal people in a normal world, they should be doing good enough that they don't have to pull these con jobs. Well, some of them to survive. Yeah. Well, yeah, some of them. Okay, so it's a mixed bag here. But I'm just going to read through the list of occupations of our villains: hypnotist, magician, stuntman. Yeah, all people who. Really, they yeah. can make decent them. money uh, in a I'm normal just, environment. They I'm can just, make decent money. Yeah, Maybe. Uh, a hypnotist three... should be able to hypnotize people to just hand over their wallets. Well, he was. That yeah. was the problem. Uh, oh, uh, there were three different character villains that had PhDs. There was one that was a master painter. He was forging paintings. Uh, there was the boat repairman, which that's a that's a pretty good uh, industry. That's where he was. Uh, he was, what was he doing? He was stealing them under fog. Yeah, he had the pirate ship, I think, is the yeah. one. Yeah, uh, and yeah. then there's two lawyers, which honestly, not lawyers, that's yeah, not surprising at all. Course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just normal behavior for lawyers. You're so I'm not worried anyway. about that. Just kidding, everyone. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, 
all all combined, it explains why the universe of the the nineteen late sixties, early seventies universe that these kids are in, why it's so screwed up, and why they're doing what they do. I really, really like it because it explains why the whole show is so screwy. Yeah, I like or it too. Perhaps I mean that's uh, maybe just like in the Roadrunner Coyote thing, they were actually living in a po- post-apocalyptic world. It could, yeah, where it could, most yeah. of the human race okay, was so gone. Maybe, yeah, well, I mean yeah. that's, I mean, you know, you can exchange post-apocalyptic and depressive eras. Those are pre- go pretty hand in hand. Just like the Wiley Coyote, there is actually hell theories out there for Shaggy and Scooby, believe mm. it or not. There's a bunch of them, which is disturbing, and yeah. we're not going to talk about them. Oh, I don't no, like that. No, no but uh, but very, very similar to the Roadrunners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And oh. that's all I got. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, but I would oh. say they're probably both true, because if, if you're in the middle of a, a huge depression like that and you're living in a van you're probably going to want to get high yeah so yeah i would say it's called self-medication yeah Yeah. self yeah finding it and affording it well if you've ever seen have you ever either of you ever watched the show z nation no no according to z nation in a post-apocalyptic world everybody begins growing weed yeah that's the one thing that is a common currency is weed yeah it's probably Mm, a good good exchange yeah it can only enhance your zombie fighting capabilities. He's <laughs> called Z-Weed. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Oh, nice. Okay. Well, now that we're done talking about weed. Weed! Uh, um, yes, yeah, so our many, many cartoon conspiracies. Yeah. Before we started researching this, uh, this episode, I had no idea how many there were. Yeah, I agree. Oh, sorry. Okay. So we're going to ignore Steve a little more. Yeah. No theme song yet. So we are going to post probably a link her yeah, theory something like that. Uh, on the website. So if you want to see those uh, or if you want to buy merch, oh, merch. Um, you can do those things on the website. That website is thinkingsidewayspodcast.com. Uh, you can, of course, download or stream us pretty much anywhere, you mm-hmm. know, uh, all the big ones. If you can subscribe and rate and leave a review, do that. That'd be great. Um, we have social media. We've got, uh, the Facebook page and the Facebook group. So like the page and join the group. Mm-hmm. And then we have Twitter, which you can follow me being hilarious. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's thinking sideways, no G in the middle there. We also have a subreddit, which is just thinking sideways. Soinks. All of this will surprise you. Uh, There's no theme whatsoever. Um, if you have your own theory about any of the things that we've talked about or any other cartoon conspiracy theories that you think we should know about. Or if or, you're a talking dog. Yeah. Or, you know, or if you're the coyote. owner of Acme or yeah. you know, anything like that, please drop yeah. us an email. Um, our email address is thinkingsidewayspodcast at gmail.com. Okay. Um, all of that having been said... I think we're going to go ahead and um, get on out of here. I really, really, really wish I suddenly remembered the Looney Tunes outro. That's all, folks. Yeah. No, that's all, folks. There's music to it, damn it. Forky Pig. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Yeah. Ruh-roh. Bye-bye.